In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In reality television. The people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. All right. Yay, I'm so excited to see you. I feel like it's been so long. Like, we've been through the Texas snowpocalypse, which was terrible. <laughs> We were both without water or power. And oh, by the way, the candle that the Jill Zarin candle that you sent me as a present really helped out in the snowpocalypse. Did it light your way? It did. It like <laughs> it lit our way during like, we were going through finding all the candles because we had no electricity. And I was like, oh my God, Ceci sent me the candle. So like it actually <laughs> like really helps in an emergency. So yeah. thank you, Ceci and Jill Zarin. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> housewives we wouldn't have survived without you (laughs) what a year sassy it's like march (laughs) what a year like really yeah we've already been through like the storming the capital the texas snow apocalypse which you didn't we both were out we we both just lost water didn't you lose your water too Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, water, power, everything. Yeah. It was terrible. Bad, bad. Hated it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, something else that happened actually in Housewives news since we recorded, I don't know if you saw, I think it was either today or yesterday, Tom lost his license to practice. I, I mean, did ev- see everyone that. saw it coming, but it, it happened. Well, he got diagnosed so. with Alzheimer's, so he has like an actual Alzheimer's diagnosis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah. So the, a doctor actually like diagnosed him with Alzheimer's, which I think is going to be really interesting because how many times was Erica on the show talking about like how brilliant and sharp and smart her husband was? Yeah. So my great grandma had Alzheimer's and my grandma was born in Italy. My great grandma was born in Italy and she would, it was heartbreaking. Like, and she would like yell at us in Italian, like, what are we doing in her house? And I mean, 
Alzheimer's is serious. And yet it can start out with mild symptoms, but Alzheimer's, it's a big deal. <laughs> and yeah, I, it's fucked up. Another fucked up thing that he's added to his resume. I know. I'm not a doctor. I guess like there are things where it could start with like mild symptoms, but it does seem like, I don't know, his wife would have known. <laughs> it just seems convenient. But yeah, so today's episode... I've always been curious about the Beverly Beach lawsuit. We're going to include a link of this video on our website, but the reason I got so curious about this was because of that video that we were talking about where the friend of Ryan Horn, who's the plaintiff in this lawsuit, chases Dorit around the Bahamas and is like, pay my friend his money. You owe him money. And I remember seeing that video before the, the season came out. And this was the Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy. Yeah, that season. Or, yeah, yeah. Whatever her name is. That season. So I thought it was going to be really good because I had seen the video on Reddit before the season started. And I was like, oh, whoa, what did she do? This is bad. And I was like, I got to figure it out. And then they never talked about it really on the season at all. They didn't talk about it on the show actually until the following season. And well, I think we should play some of the, some of the, our podcast airs, like we should play some of the audio from that, from the woman chasing Dorit in the Bahamas. All right. As Angela suggested, here is the audio of Dorit being chased around in the Bahamas. Excuse me, you're Dorit, yeah? Why don't you pay back Ryan Vaughn the money that you owe him, you cheap bitch? Why don't you pay back all the hundreds and thousands of dollars that you owe? All that money that you owe? How much is it? 300000 that you owe? I mean, she was so angry on his behalf. So I was like, whoa, these... I, I love calling people grifters. <laughs> these grifters, alleged grifters, have done something shady, and I want to know what happened. And yeah, that's what we're diving into today. But yeah, I also wanted to shout out to, I guess there's like a group of litigators that listens to us at a well-known law Yay! firm. And I heard it through the grapevine, and I just thought that was so cool. So hello to you badass litigators yes. out yes. there are super excited to have other attorneys listening to us that also love garbage television <laughs> yeah so getting into this lawsuit ryan horn is plaintiff oh, wait 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 for my husband who lovingly listens to the show and for anyone else who's listening for the legal stuff but isn't like super into housewives this is about dorit and pk who are in the real housewives of beverly hills and pk was a well-known businessman in England, he managed to amass a ton of wealth very quickly with some a lot of real estate stuff. I think probably some fairly risky business propositions. Um, look up his Wikipedia page. I'm not going to go into all of it now, but he's married to Dorit, who I have to say, like when she first came on the show, I was not like a huge fan, but she has grown on me so much. Like I actually really like her now. She's, I think, one of the more interesting housewives in that she speaks, I think, fluent Hebrew and fluent Italian. She actually lived in Italy. She has a real design background. I mean, I sew. I am in no way a fashion designer, but I know how hard sewing is. And she has some actual, like, real design and merchandising and talent skill. She quit doing that when she had her kids with PK, and then she decided she wanted to get back into the industry, so she decided to have a swimwear line. So that's sort of a little bit of background on the two of them. Okay, so Beverly Beach was formed in 2017. The plaintiff here is Ryan Horn, who had his own company named Advanced Apparel of Los Angeles, and they're actually a manufacturing and production management company. I looked up their website. They have worked with brands like Reformation, Mara Hoffman, and Nasty Gal, and DVF, which are all really well-known brands. I actually like Nasty Gal. Really like some of their clothes. <laughs> 
And DVF is super yeah, well known. Yeah, no, I'm really, Mara Hoffman makes yeah. really cute swimsuits, uh, DVF yeah. as well great pattern work and he himself owns a swimsuit line called same swim which i looked up and has really cute stuff i wish they oh, would does it? i'm gonna look it up right now refresh their yeah what is it? Same, it swim? same swim and it's cute because they do um like mom and kid matching swimsuits but then like the mom swimsuits are cute on their own i just wish he would like refresh his inventory because it's so cute but yeah I should get like a cut of any profits he makes from this, but yeah, same swim. Really cute stuff. But so ju- that's just all to say that I think he knows what he was he was doing. Like they, they sought out really good, a good partnership in their business. And like we mentioned, the defendants are PK and Dorit and Beverly Beach. So what is being alleged here is basically that there was an oral agreement between PK, Dorit, Beverly Beach and this Ryan Horn guy and his company, that they would go into production together, that Ryan would have one third of an ownership interest essentially in Beverly Beach for everything he was doing for the company. And he claims that there was an oral contract that they made that he would front some of the money, he would front some of the costs, which included like getting the website up, getting production out, he would produce the, the swimwear and that any profit that Beverly Beach made, he would get paid back from it. It's funny, and I really liked reading his complaint because he like calls out the fact that Beverly Beach was actually one of their storylines. And we'll we'll post the complaint on our website so you can like look up the actual thing. And so like the complaint is just the first thing that you file in the lawsuit that says, here's like a short and plain statement of like the facts and what I'm alleging against you. And then after you file it, you have to get it served on the defendants. I'm guessing that Dorit and PK already knew this was coming and that there was like a, probably a demand letter sent. Right. Yeah. So like one of the sentences says, Dorit Kemsley is a leading <laughs> character on the television series, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then for PK, he says, PK has a supporting role as the husband of Dorit Kemsley. And I think he just like put it in there to point out that it was a storyline and that they were making money from this. Oh, I would put, I would lead yeah. with that if it were mean. I'd be, <laughs> yeah. Cause I would want, I'd want whatever clerk or like judges AA or whatever to be like, ooh, this looks juicy. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's a really good thing to put in there because his whole argument is that they were clearly making money. He claims that they made $300,000 in revenue and he didn't get paid back on his loan, which was $205,000. It was, in the value of goods that he made for Beverly Beach. So I assume that's the swimwear, the products that went up on the website. And then $75,000 for the other expenses, like I mentioned, like getting the website, I guess getting a trademark, maybe marketing the brand. So he was expecting that $205,000 to be paid back to him. And he was expecting to be a partnership kind of in Beverly Beach. Yeah, he's saying any revenue retained by Beverly Beach after reimbursing them would be distributed immediately and shared equally by Droit, Paul, which is PK, and then Ryan Horn. So it would be split three ways, essentially. Right. So he just says that that never came. We talked about this before starting this. I thought the $300,000, he claims that Beverly Beach made $300,000 in revenue and he expected to see some of that. I thought that was a little high, given what I've seen on the website now. But I admit that I didn't see it when it first was posted and came out. They don't have... 
a physical storefront. Dorit and PK and Brian Horn have like actual real experience in merchandising and sourcing materials and also in manufacturing. Unlike, I think, a lot of Real Housewives, they actually have knowledge with that. So, and PK, well, I think he does like a lot of maybe even slightly shady or high risk business development stuff. He has actually really been successful in business before. And I do think that he would understand overhead, understand pricing, understanding like your chain of distribution and costs. So I do think that like, especially because her designs were cute, she was smart in marketing them and naming them after the Real Housewives. I remember on the show, PK insisted that the price point be reachable by like a more average person. Cause I know Dorit was originally intending to do like something super high end. And he was like, no, I, I, we have a chance to market this to a lot of people. We want the people that actually watch the show to be able to afford it. And he, he even changed the name to Beverly Beach. It was going to be something else that was much more esoteric. And he's like, you know, PK was like, no. So I do think when you consider the price of fabric, and then also, I don't know where they were assembled and manufactured, but the fact that they don't have like a physical storefront, they reached a large amount of people and her stuff was pretty cute. I know like the LVP sold out. So I do think they made some money, but I don't know what all the overhead was. I would have loved to have seen like a motion for summary judgment on this or some of the discovery to really get the details on it. Right. So that's something I wanted to point out because it was just a complaint filed. And then there was an answer filed by PK and Dorit. And then they filed their own cross complaint. I just wanted to flag that there was no discovery that we've we're able to access in this case because a lot of times discovery isn't filed unless there's a dispute over it. So you file a certificate of service saying you're demanding a deposition or you file a motion to compel and like you can see those things. But if you're not actively involved in the case, you don't get to see what the actual discovery is until there's a motion for summary judgment where you have to attach like the evidence. So you would attach deposition transcripts or, you know, documents that you got in discovery here, they ended up settling, so we don't have that. Right, exactly, yeah. So there there are instances where discovery can come out. Like you said, the summary judgment, it could come out at trial. But at this phase, there was no discovery that we could see in this litigation. Which is interesting, too, because like normally like when you look at the docket, there's pleadings. You can even you can see like a notice of service or a certificate of service that you filed interrogatories, which is like where you send a bunch of questions in writing that they have to answer in writing and they can actually be used against them. Requests for production, which is production of documents or materials or electronic files. I didn't even see any of that with this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to get to that. Their answer, they just like throw every defense they can at everything that he's alleged. Their cross complaint, they actually sue him for damages, Ryan. So Ryan Horn. Yeah. They first say he never had an ownership interest in the company. There was no contract ever made which he was claiming there was an oral contract made. They claim Dorit is actually the only owner of Beverly Beach. So I guess like PK also doesn't have an ownership interest in it. Which would be interesting because they would only do that to like protect the income really. Yeah. So that like From his other- PK's creditors couldn't... Uh, file liens on whatever she was making out of Beverly Beach. Right. And they claim that his company was only a vendor. He wasn't an own, he didn't have an ownership interest. They just hired his services. And they claim that he was actually a bad vendor because his services were untimely. They claim that they got all the goods 
really delayed, that he failed to create appropriate packaging for this high-end brand. That's what was in their answer. He failed to provide resources to launch the brand, like graphic design and a website, and he didn't give them the appropriate amount of inventory. What, just to stop you real fast, in the factual allegations, what I think is interesting is that it, on like fact number 11, they say no enforceable agreement was ever consummated. They don't say no agreement, which is in lawyer speak, that's a big, that's kind of a big deal. Like, it's like a tell. You, there is no agreement. It, it, it isn't even an either or. It's like there is no agreement. And if there was, there's no enforceable agreement. It just says there's no enforceable agreement, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That is interesting. But continue. <laughs> yeah. So he sued for damages. He just wanted the... The money that he claimed he was owed. Reinhard. Yeah. PK and Dorit sued for declaratory relief. They want him to declare that he never had an ownership interest. So that was kind of interesting too. I think that's also so he doesn't keep getting any profit that the company makes. Well, yeah, because he could potentially have additional... So Ryan Horn, the person suing Beverly Beach, could, like, if there isn't a declaratory judgment or some sort of specific order saying that he never had an ownership interest, he could come after them again if it makes additional profit saying he's actually owed part of that. So that's... Mm-hmm. why they would do that. Right. I mentioned earlier, but it is, it, he did claim that it was an oral contract, which I think it's harder to prove than a normal written agreement. It is, but I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe tell me what you think. I, in law school, when we learned about contracts, it's like offer acceptance consideration and like a simple contract would be, you know, the neighborhood kid He's 18, he's mowing lawns, and he comes up and says, hey, I'll mow your lawn for $25. And you're like, that's great. That's great. You know what? But I'm not going to pay you 25. My lawn's small. I'm going to pay you 20. So that's like a counter offer. And then he's like, great, I'll be there on Tuesday. I'll mow your lawn. He shows up, mows the lawn. That's actually a contract. That's an enforceable contract. He performed. There is an offer, an acceptance, consideration for it, and consideration for the $25 he's going to mow the lawn or $20. And then like he performed the contract. And then he, like, that is an enforceable contract. I think a lot of times people colloquially think, well, it wasn't in writing. So I don't, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it wasn't in writing. And even if, like, there was no evidence of that, if it was just, like, there's no emails, nothing, if it went to court, like, small claims court, and it was just one person's word against the other, the performance of the contract is evidence. Yeah. The fact that he actually mowed the lawn. Yeah, like, why would he do that otherwise? Yeah, I think it's interesting that he says, I gave them this money up front and did these things. So he, like, shows some performance. And typically, you wouldn't do that just because you're being nice. Mm-hmm. Like, here, I have all this extra money. So I'll just do this for you. Totally. I think, but uh, I mean, of course, it would have been more secure if he had gotten it in writing. Like, no, yeah. you should get it in writing. That's the thing. I think a lot of times when people are friends too, like successful people that are lawyers have like a, I think a better understanding, but like you, you decide to go in business with your neighbor and your friends and you're on good terms. And it almost, I think people almost feel like it makes it dirty if you are like, well, I want you to sign this mm-hmm. and we need to agree in the outset. And they don't want to do that because they don't want to insult somebody or impinge the friendship. That's actually, I think... I I understand why people feel that way, but it's also, you're actually protecting your friendship by putting it in writing. Like, here's my expect, here's everybody's expectations. Here's what we're both agreeing to do. And it, it it actually protects the friendship, Mm -hmm. I think. No, totally. But a lot of times people don't want to, family members, especially that go into business together, don't have it. I can't tell you. And when I was in private practice and I had my own firm and I'd have these successful family businesses, but then one person would get mad and it was like, it was it was heartbreaking, but it was also 
because you understood like you didn't want to make your uncle sign a contract, but then now the business is making a bunch of money and the uncle is like not doing his share of the work and then you're doing all of it and you're not getting paid. And it's just get it in writing guys. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk, And I mean, it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. It's going to be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gotten really into Pilates and guess what? Quince has the matching sets. They look identical to matching sets I've already purchased from another sports brand. They have the same thing. And at a fraction of the cost, I was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that I could only get one set at this other sportswear place. I mean, come on. Quince is just killing it. If you've shopped there before, it's time to go back on again. They have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer. They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They have got a ton of stuff, and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. 
That is Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys. Yeah. I mean, it's also like just so weird that he went into an oral agreement at all with PK, who had like lawsuits filed against him, who had had to declare bankruptcy beforehand. Gambling debts. Gambling debts by the Bellagio Hotel. Which we might go into, we'll probably go into this in like another episode, but it's kind of fascinating that they have gotten away with a lot of this stuff. PK and Dorit came to the United States. They had millions of dollars of debts that the California court said were not enforceable in California. But so still, but still, they, like me, I don't know. I would have Googled the hell out of him before I went into an agreement with him. And Ryan, well, you're a smart, what are you doing, you're a smart Ryan? attorney. <laughs> but Ryan's you're over here working with DVF. Why didn't he? Uh, he knows. I don't know. I wonder, you also wonder if people are like, like hanging out together Drunk. in LA, drinking, doing coke in the bathroom, probably doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah, probably drink coke in the bathroom. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do really this. Like, and- yeah, I can help you. I'll do it. I'll just front it. Like, yeah, you're on. Yeah, we're going to make so much money. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> It also makes me wonder, so, I mean, what do people want in LA more than anything? They want to be on TV. They want to be famous. And so maybe Ryan Horn thought he was going to be a part of the show or included. And instead, when you watch that season, it's Dorit in her office, you know, doing everything. And she's not giving anybody any credit for anything. And so maybe, like, he was fine, like, fronting stuff, thinking that he was going to be included and be a part of the show. And she was going to acknowledge him. And then when that didn't happen, he's like, okay, I paid you all. Like, I helped you do all this. I fronted money for it. I helped you with all of this stuff and paid for a lot of it. And then I, you acted like it was all you. Yeah. So maybe he would have been fine doing that if he had been on the show and given, I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing. No, yeah, that's a but really, really how, good theory. I've seen how these things go down in real life. And it's like she got the money, got on the show, got credit for all of the designs. And then it actually, you know, did well. It was well received. I don't know how much money it made, but it was well received. And then there's no no one would have known who Ryan Horn was if that crazy woman wasn't (laughs) screaming at Dorit in the Bahamas and there wasn't a lawsuit filed. And now now you know his name. Everyone knows his name. Ryan Horn. Yeah. Go go look up his swimsuit line. We'll give him some business. Here you go, Ryan. Here you go. We don't even need you to make our <laughs> bathing suits. Here you go. We're giving yeah, what you. What is it again? We're giving you publicity. Same swim. There you go, Ryan. Same swim. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the court case, the outcome of it ended up being that the court ordered them to mediate, and they ended up settling. And then is that? So we don't know what the settlement amount was for. We don't know what the terms of it were. We do actually have quotes from Dorit from the season following her debut of Beverly Beach in the Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy season. She notes that, let me just read her quotes. She says, the reason why I couldn't come in, to, in yesterday, I had the mediation finally. <laughs> I won't. Um, no, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> So the fact that both parties kind of like dropped the lawsuit, settled, was actually on the show. And she tells she tells Kyle, the reason why I couldn't come in yesterday, Kyle, I had the mediation finally. You know, the Beverly Beach lawsuit that I've been in. <laughs> so good. Oh my God, so good. And then she says, we finally came to a resolution. She says, I think everyone's just like, you know what? Let's just be done with it. And then she said, I, I've lived with this lawsuit. I couldn't express my frustration about it for so long. And then she said, both parties gave a little bit. Now it's finally over. 
So based on that second quote that both parties gave a little bit, now it's finally over. I think like maybe he was like, I won't accept ownership in this if you pay me back. That's kind of what I feel like happened. But Either that or he accepted, I, I get a certain amount of the profits from henceforth, like until sales. I repaid or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. If you look at the website now, she's selling some not cute stuff. Yeah, so that's the thing about a settlement is that we really will never know. And we actually haven't really spoken about settlements, like the terms of settlements or how they come about or like what it means on the podcast yet. So I thought it would be interesting to like talk about that. Like settlements usually or always are kept confidential. You don't really know the terms about of them unless it like I think benefits both parties to kind of share what happened. But a lot of times you kind of like keep them under wraps. It's kind of like a an out of court agreement on what you what what happens next. I mean, I've been in settlements where the I've obtained a good settlement for my client and the opposing party didn't even want us to tell the court what the settlement was. Yeah. A lot of times settling is smart because I used to explain it to clients like, you know, you go to a jury trial, it's like a deal or no deal. And the jury is like the box. Like you just don't know what's in the box. You do your best to guess. You do your best to like make sure you have good odds with like whatever's in the box, but you don't know. There's no way to know. You have no idea what you're getting. And so when the banker offers you something, that's certainty. And you know, like I literally explained it like that's deal or no really, deal. really good. Yeah. I used the same explanation when I was doing like federal criminal defense. Like and then when I was doing yeah, what I was doing, I'd used it the same as I did with criminals, as I did with very sophisticated, you know, commercial property owners that, you know, had gone to Ivy League schools. Yeah. You just don't know. You're rolling the dice with the jury. It's, you don't know what's in the box. And um, yeah, but like going off of that deal or no deal analogy, it's that like the audience doesn't know what you walk away with either. Like that, that that's mm-hmm. like an added layer of protection. Like you get the banker's offer, but no one knows what it is. Like you can keep it under wraps. Right. We have and had settlements where like the, the party who thinks they won or got a good deal in the press is like, we got a good deal, but that's all they yeah. say. Like they can like yeah. say that, but they can't say what the amount was. But I mean, e- either side can say that just for PR yeah. too. Yeah. Because you can't say, you know, we, you know, we feel very pleased with this. We're glad this is over. We're really happy to move on with our lives. And we feel like this was an equitable and fair, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you have no, and they could be right. the ones that got like hammered. Like, we you don't did know. it. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like you walk out and it's just like one of the things I learned when litigating as a young attorney that when you get called up, like when you're in front of a jury and you get called up to the bench for like a, a bench conference and no matter what, you always walk away smiling, saying, thank you, your honor. Yeah. Like, thank, like because it looks like, yeah, then it's like the jury's like, oh, you know, even if the judge was like hammering you, yeah. like, do not you know, I'm blah, blah, blah. Don't bring that up again. That's a, you know, violation of emotional limit, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You walk away smiling and you're like, thank you, your honor. Thank it's you. It's all optics. <laughs> it's all optics. Yes. We're all putting on a show. Well, it's being polite and it's like, you don't want to walk away looking angry. That's <laughs> smart. Not good. That's smart. So um, something else about settlements too, like, can't you, I mean, the whole thing is that it, it ends it. You're done. They can't sue you again for it. You're, it, it like ends the case. You each both parties release. I mean, in, in any settlement, like you're not going to agree to it unless you release all claims. Like oh, like so over that set of facts, you can no, you can't bring any single claim over that set of facts. You release all claims whatsoever. And it, I have to say, most of the time you're smart to settle. I mean, mo- like you, like the expense and stress of litigation is 
so much. I love trials. That's my favorite thing to do. I love going to trial. I love telling a story to the court. I love telling a story. I like telling my client's story. I love cross-examining. There's nothing better than cross-examining a witness. Like, on this, like it feels great. But you have to look out for your clients. Like, you can't just want to go to trial because it's fun for you. <laughs> and it's the stress that it puts on clients. Like, this is what I do for a living. I do litigation for a living. This is, it's not personal to me. And when you are advising a client on settlement, you have to say, look, this could go on for another year and a half. You could be getting deposed. I don't know how many times they're going to depose everybody that's possibly involved. It's They're going to use everything you say against you. You are going to be spending this much money in legal fees. And there's no guarantee, even if we do everything right, that we're going to win. Right. So, yeah, settlement's generally a good thing. Um. Yeah, just, like, the exposure is sometimes too big. Like the, Oh, you know Dorit and PK did not want exactly. people getting the whole discovery. So that's what I wanted to say. I yeah. think the reason they settled here, they didn't want the discovery out. They didn't want to sit through deposition. They just didn't want to go through it. I also think it might have been a financial reason as well, because we know they're not rolling in dough. The damages here were only $205,000. A litigation the last yeah. two and a half years is way more. Oh, a California attorney. I mean, what do you think their billable hour was so in California? So I looked after- up the law firm that they used. They're a legit firm in San Francisco. It's not like a huge law a San- firm. Yeah. It's a San Francisco like law the- firm. Yeah. The billable hour for a San Francisco law firm. Like, Ceci, give us an estimate about what you think that would be. Um, I'm just a small country lawyer from Kansas, and I live in Texas now, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but I'll say, like, around $900 an hour, maybe. That's probably yeah. on the low end. But $900 an That's hour. That's like a bargain attorney in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. And I want to flag that they actually had two lawsuits going on at the same time. There's another one that we might get into. Maybe we'll do like a whole PK episode because these were all against him. We would have to do a whole episode just on PK. Just on PK. Because like, I, I did research for this, like pulling these pleadings, and there's so much there. And it's actually complicated and interesting. And I have, I feel like PK is somebody that is not a bad person, but does a lot of high risk stuff. Yeah. I, I don't think he, like, yeah. So a similar situation where someone claimed that they loaned him $1.2 million and he never paid it back. They used the same law firm. So they had this, this partner representing them in both cases. So that's two competing cases at the same time. Rough estimate of $900 an hour. The, the cost of going through with the litigation was just probably too high. Not worth it compared to just settling. It's, it was not. Yeah. It's not worth for Like, was it two hundred, three hundred thousand? It's not worth 205, it. It's just not. No. Yeah. That's, yeah. that lawyer could rack up, like, because by the way, a lot of times the way billable hours are charged is if you even just pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Yeah. Anytime you're thinking about the case. It's like, that's it. That's half an hour. Mm-hmm. So there's, you pick up the phone and talk to somebody, there's $450. Right. Like, like for talking the, to somebody for 10 minutes. This episode, I'm billing you 750 or something, you know? <laughs> and that's wild. That's absurd. But that's that's the way it is. And they, they paid that much to get good counsel. But I would have to say, like, the fact that it they had that countersuit filed within 30 days of being served with a lawsuit is, like, effective counsel. That's mm-hmm. good. Right. So it was effective counsel. They didn't have to pay the $205,000. We don't, I, from what I can tell, or what we're guessing. And they didn't have to go through. It was obviously less than that, or they would, you know, because like, yeah, they, they wouldn't settled. have settled. So, right. So, yeah. Um, and they didn't have to air their dirty laundry. So it was kind of like a win for them. Okay. But I have a question for you. Yeah. Like, 
Oh wait, no. Finish your finish the lost. No, no, no. But that's it. That's it. That just that uh, the settlement was worth it to them clearly because they didn't have to pay two hundred five thousand dollars and they didn't have to have all their stuff aired. They didn't have it aired aired. on the show. They didn't get it aired in court. And congrats, Dorit and PK. Smooth sailing. Scr- like they, they are like Teflon. Like they like slide. They slid through again. Yeah, good for them, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> what was your question? So, how do you feel about Dorit now? Because I, she really grew on me the last Beverly Hills season, which, but yeah. like, I did not like her at first, and now I'm like actually starting to like her. I like her too. Um, I love her outfits, like the effort that is made. I know. I didn't like her when this stuff was going on because I just felt like it was so shady and dark and not cool. I don't know, but I I don't know. Again, I'm always the devil's advocate, but I've represented clients that have gotten sued for such stupid reasons just because they had money. She doesn't have money. (laughs) I know, but like she's notorious. Like, you know, people, you know what I mean? It's like people see an opportunity no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do really like her now, but part of me feels like I should be a little bit guarded because of these lawsuits and because PK. I mean, after Erica been. Jane, I'm kind of like, eh, yeah, screw everyone that's been sued. You, know? <laughs> you all suck. Um, <laughs> but I get it. But I also know, like, the best people in the world can get sued over just complete garbage. Like it doesn't. All you need. To, all you need is like a hundred sixty-five dollars for a filing fee and an attorney. Yeah. shady enough to file the lawsuit. But there's and a, a lot pattern of times, here. There's a pattern here with PK. I, okay, I think I think PK. I think there's some evidence that PK does some high-risk shady shit, which we'll get into on another episode. I don't think we have any evidence that Dorit is shady. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see. Like. Well, I think in a year we're PK. gonna we're gonna get <laughs> Eat, be eating my words. No, yeah, that's all fair. You make a good point. That's a good, good I'm just lawyer. Saying, like, I have had clients who are the best people and who I respected and who just got sued over garbage. And then just, I mean, look at what Scientology has been able to use a legal system for. It's like my, that's the thing I hate Oof. the most about yeah. the legal system is when it's abused like that. And it can be, and it's really up to the judges to stop that. And a lot of times, like they won't get involved. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm just saying like, yeah, they take settled. everything with a grain of salt. Take everything I mean, with a grain of salt. Yeah, I guess Ryan was happy with the settlement as well. So so there we go. Oh, okay. Next episode is going to be about Mary, Salt Lake City. Her, I have dug up some stuff, let me tell you. I have dug Okay, my cat is growling. So if you hear growling, that's, that's Moon, my cat. But so next episode, it's going to be all about preachers. What preachers are allowed to do. How they're allowed to pay themselves. How that tax purposes works. When is it reasonable for a church to also own a mortgage company? We're going to talk about it all. It's, I have, I have so much, it's I have so much so information. Good. I went down such a rabbit hole on Mary. Like, you don't even know. Like, you don't even know. Like, the Utah Supreme Court cases, this stuff is messier. It's messier than, it's, it's bad. I, yeah. I am confident someone's going to jail yeah. in like the next two years, someone's yeah. going to jail. I've seen nuggets of stuff, but nothing about the court cases. So this is going to be a really, really good hot take. Literally, like over stuff that like you think about, like in like law dramas, like over wills, handwriting experts, Oof. stuff that like it's good. Yeah, it's good, but it's it's good and it's bad. I mean, well, I can't wait. All right, well, we'll chat with you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs> 